Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. ZPAC, what's up? It's Dr. Zubin Nemanja, or Z-Dog, as they say in England, where they speak Englandish. Uh, today, I am going to talk about a crucial, crucial case that happened in Great Britain and our neighbors across the pond. Uh, it's so crucial because it sets a precedent for how we treat our healthcare professionals in terms of making mistakes, in terms of uh, public perception, and in terms of legal and criminal consequences. This is the horrifying case of Dr. Bawa Garber, uh, who it was a registrar in uh, the UK in the NHS system. A registrar is basically like a chief resident. And let me, let me back up for a second. I wanna say this, the, the, the piece about this uh, was written that I reviewed and I posted today on, on Facebook, was written by Dr. Sorab Ja, who is a radiologist at uh, UPenn, actually worked for four years at, at the NHS in Britain, was trained in Great Britain, and so understands the case very well, spoke to a very close friend of uh, Dr. Bawa Garba, who um, that's how he got the information and wrote a really exhaustive, beautifully done piece. And so he was kind enough after I posted it to actually reach out by Facebook message and let me know that uh, he um, wanted to, he made himself available to answer any questions. So I got on the phone with him. I just want to make sure the audio is working on this thing. I got on the phone with him and um, he laid it out for me and it was great. We had a great discussion. So he really filled in some of the blanks in my understanding of this case. So let me put it in, in, in terms that we can understand here. Imagine you're a chief resident in pediatrics. You've just come off maternity leave with your own child Okay, and you're stepping into a hospital where you've given, been given no orientation, so you have no formal orientation to how this hospital works. You're overseeing underlings in the forms of uh, residents and interns, and your attending physician is actually at a different hospital, but comes in once in the evening to say hi and check in on you. Now imagine in this case, you admit a child who's six years old with Down syndrome, who had a cardiac defect repaired as a child was on enalapril for presumably for this from maybe presumably some heart uh, failure related to that at a good dose for a child, uh, 10 milligrams. And the child comes in with what looks like to you hypovolemia due to maybe viral gastroenteritis. You give some fluid and the child perks up a bit. Now, initially the child's blood gas 
might have been 7.0, which is pretty low, and the lactate was elevated. So this is concerning, but as a chief resident, you're handling, you're covering three wards, say, and <clears throat> you know your pager's blowing up off the hook, but you take care of this child by going, let's give some fluids, give a bolus, and recheck the lactate and the blood gas. You do, and the blood gas has improved to 7.24, and the lactate has come down, and the child appears to be perking up and getting cheeky, as they say, in Great Britain, in Englandish. So at this point, you continue managing your stuff. Now imagine later, you're called to the code of this child. The child dies. You then write in your own electronic journal a deconstruction of what could have happened incredibly self-critical because you're a chief resident and that's what we do in medicine is we beat ourselves up and we, when, a, when a mistake happens or an error happens or someone dies, even when it's not our fault, even when it's a system's fault, we will tear ourselves to pieces until there's nothing left but a shell of a human being because that's what we flipping do, all right? Well, what if she did this? And then, because it's Great Britain where malpractice is different, well, let's pretend we're still here. Imagine you are then taken to court and tried for manslaughter. It's not malpractice, it's manslaughter for the death of this child. And your own journal that you used to sort of deconstruct and learn from what happened is used against you in court. You are then convicted put on probation, and then the medical board that oversees your license, instead of standing for you like a tribunal that, can, that, that determined that it was a system error and human error and we should learn from it, instead of standing by you, they took away the fact that you were ever a doctor and you cannot practice medicine in this country again. Imagine if that happened here to a chief resident in pediatrics. And that is exactly what happened, okay, to Dr. Bawa Garber in Great Britain. She was convicted of manslaughter for the death of this child, six-year-old Jack, who had Down syndrome and ended up dying of streptococcal sepsis. This is an outrage. And let me back up and go through her case specifically to tell you why? Why everyone around the world that is in healthcare, everyone that is a patient as well, should stand up and support her because this is an unacceptable way to treat our trainee physicians. If you want to encourage less errors, if you want to encourage transparency and self-reflection, if you want to encourage better staffing and support, okay? And I want to start by saying this is not an issue about socialized medicine, universal healthcare, or politics. This is an issue about understaffing, underfunding, and scapegoating, and taking it out on the people that are taking care of us. All right, back to this case. This is how it went down. Okay, Dr. Bawa Garba, she's Nigerian, she wears a headscarf, she's a female, and I'm not saying any of that had anything to do with it, but no one can say that publicly, but I'm saying sitting in front of a jury in Great Britain for the death of an English child, uh, I'm not sure that helped her. So there's her background. By all accounts, people who've known her in medical school said she was a hard worker, she never partied, she studied really hard, and was quote unquote boring. Now. 
She went on, I think it was a 13 months of maternity because Europe is Europe, right? And she comes back and it wasn't her first day back on the job, but it was within a first week or two. Uh, and this is what went down. She is put into a hospital where she's given no orientation to how the hospital works. Okay, it gets better. She's covering pretty much everything because in the NHS, the National Health Service in Britain, junior doctors, residents, house officers, registrars, they call them, this chief resident, they run the show because it's a pyramidal type system. You have a lot of those guys and they're cheap, right? And then you have very few consultants. Consultants are the equivalent of attending physicians in Great Britain. The consultants oversee, but they're pretty hands-off. It's really the junior doctors running the show. Now, talking to Dr. Ja, the NHS from its inception has kind of misled the public as to how truly junior doctor dependent its operations are. They spend 9% of their GDP on healthcare in Great Britain. We spend 19%. So think about that. Yeah, they're understaffed chronically, which means there are going to be errors. There are going to be mistakes. Now, the difference in Great Britain, uh, according to my understanding, talking to Dr. Ja, is that instead of, they don't have a very a lucrative malpractice business there. So you can't get a lot of damages for malpractice there. So these cases that are egregious become criminal cases like manslaughter. And generally those are reserved for the most severe cases. Like someone shows up drunk to the job, like just gross negligence. Let me describe Dr. Dr. Bawa Garba's case here, a little more detailed, so you can make a decision. Is this gross negligence that requires that this person go to jail and be convicted of manslaughter and lose her ability to practice medicine that she's worked all her life to obtain a thoughtful, reflective woman and doctor by and mother by every single account? Here's the story. 10.30 a.m., the, uh, the child, now remember, she's covering multiple wards by herself. She has a couple underlings, and this is February. In Great Britain, here in the US, we have our July effect when new interns come onto service and everyone's like, oh, it's gonna get real for patient care, right? And I know, having attended at Stanford for eight years, nine years, that is a real month. It, it's a lot of stress for the attending physicians and for the residents because they have to oversee new, brand new interns who are learning Epic and trying to figure out what's going on. So. In the setting of this, February uh, is one of two July effects in Great Britain because the, uh, the staff change every six months there. So it's February, okay? So she's overseeing green uh, people. Brand new hospital, no orientation. Now, 10.30 a.m., the kid, uh, six-year-old Down syndrome, comes in, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, looked sick, got seen by her, and was referred by the general practitioner. Do they do the blood gas at seven, the lactate's elevated, they order a chest x-ray. The chest x-ray gets done at 12.30 p.m. They repeat the gas and the pH is up to 7.24, the lactates come down, like I said, and they gave basically bolus and fluids. That's what she did as her first course of events. The chest x-ray got done, but it didn't get read by her until 2.30. In Great Britain, there aren't that many radiologists, according to Dr. Ja, and so, the house staff, basically the registrar, is reading this film herself, okay? So they see pneumonia. Shit, this isn't simple hypovolemic shock anymore. This is sepsis. 
Antibiotics are started within an hour, so on and so forth. So that then happens. Now, at this point, the attending physician, the consultant, a, a Dr. O'Riordan, um, comes in, sees the uh, Dr. Bawagarba in the hall and says, hey, what's going on with the patients? She says, oh, there's this uh, uh, little kid, Jack. He had a blood gas this, it went to this, here it is. He's perked up with fluid. We're giving him antibiotics. Um, he looks, um, uh, he looks. I think the term was cheeky is what Dr. Ja said. He's smiling, so he's looking a little bit better. Great, the attending said, carry on, stiff upper lip, sounds great. At around 7 p.m., the mom, the mother of Jack, says to the nurse, hey, he needs his enalapril. He takes the 10 migs of enalapril every day. Um, and, you know, can we go, because he had this heart surgery, can we go ahead and give it? Now, here's a fascinating piece that Dr. Ja didn't put in his article, uh, largely because we, we don't look like we're blaming the mom for this because we're not. Through no fault of the moms, the hospital's policy, which it was not clear that Dr. Bawagarba knew because she wasn't oriented, the hospital's policy was to allow parents to give their children medications if they had been previously prescribed. Okay, let me repeat that. The parents could give the medications. And this was as a matter of necessity because a lot of times it took time for the doctor to write orders. The parents knew the medications if they were previously prescribed. They said, okay. And what Dr. Jaw said is he'd never heard about this in Great Britain when he practiced there. And he thought it was, it was hard to get nurses to give anything that isn't ordered. You can't do that. So what happened here was the mom, this hospital had this policy which ended up becoming potentially fatal because what ended up happening was the mom said, you know, he needs this. The nurse said, and by the way, the nurse was an agency nurse, was a contract nurse because everybody's short staffed. So nobody there had continuity. There was a degree of disorientation with the hospital, most likely. And the part about the nurse is very gray. It's not clear, but I'll tell you this. The nurse lost her job and was struck off as well. So here's what happened. The nurse said, we can't, it's not in the drug chart. And Dr. Bawagarber wrote in her note, DC lisinopril, hold lisinopril, but didn't write and didn't talk to the mom about it because she didn't realize that this was a policy that the mom could just give the drug. The nurse didn't see the order, so she didn't administer the drug, but somehow the mother was either allowed or just gave the drug. The understanding is that she was allowed to give it. Well, an hour later, the child goes into cardiac arrest. You gave an antihypertensive at high dose to a child who's in septic, who's in sepsis, potentially septic shock. Got a little better with fluid, but sepsis can be up to 80% fatal anyways, and you just gave an antihypertensive to the child. Well, what happens? Cardiac arrest, because the blood pressure probably bottomed out in a kid who was barely compensating was speeding up the heart, was doing all kinds of stuff to try to compensate and was barely holding it together. And then you stick a wrench in it in the form of enalapril an hour later because it takes that long for the, for the drug to get absorbed orally in a patient who's hypoperfusing his gut. So the kid codes. Now here's where the second error happened. They start resuscitating the kid doing CPR. They call Bawagarba and she gets confused because earlier in the day she coded another kid or, or was called to the code of another kid who was DNR. She got confused, thought this child was DNR and said, don't do resuscitation. 
A minute passed when they figured out the mistake and she said, do resuscitation. CPR was done. So a minute delay in the CPR. Okay, so there's a mistake. But the kid's already in cardiogenic shock, their septic shock with a cardiogenic component from the enalapril, presumably. Now, now, of course the child dies. Family is devastated, understandably. Worst possible thing you can imagine as a parent, your child dies in the hospital, right? Then you find out the series of mistakes that might have led to the child's death. And here are the series of things. Sepsis wasn't diagnosed quickly. The antibiotics were delayed because initially it was treated as hypovolemic shock instead of septic shock due to the delay in reading the chest x-ray. Then you have the giving of the enalapril, which was given by the mom. And you have to understand this, according to Dr. Jha, in Great Britain, the culture is very different than here. They don't put doctors necessarily up on this high pedestal. They are public servants. And, they, and, and if you betray the public trust, you are a criminal. And so the, the judgment is always with the sort of family. The public will always be with the family. So even if the mom gave the medication, it was the hospital and the doctors that didn't prevent it from happening. And it was no fault of the moms. So somehow she was allowed to give this drug, right? And we've seen this happen here kind of against the rules. So in the setting of this, this poor child dies. Now, Dr. Bawa Garba takes this incredible incredibly hard. Remember, she's covering a ton of patients, new interns and residents. She's in a hospital she doesn't understand because they, ha they haven't oriented her. And on top of this, she just come off maternity leave. So she has her own kid and is probably not sleeping. Okay. Now, all of these collude to have this disaster happen. She writes in her, she's encouraged by her, uh, 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 by the way, the attending physician, the consultant, O'Reardon, Fuck, washes his hands of the whole thing and was never held liable, was never held accountable for any of this, moved to Ireland. I'm not saying he's a dick, but that is a dick move, all right? If you're watching O'Reardon, what do you have to say for yourself? If I was the attending and this happened, I would take responsibility for the supervision of my house staff, all right? But anyways, that apart, she writes in her electronic process log, Probably, we haven't seen this, no one has seen this, but it was used against her in court, apparently. Her deconstruction of what happened, and anyone who's made a mistake in healthcare, and I'm guilty of this, everybody's guilty. If every doctor that you talk about this, they will start to get emotional because they'll remember when they killed someone. You will beat yourself to death. You will beat, you are the, your own worst critic, unless you're in a deep kind of denial. You will never let yourself rest after you make a mistake like this. And that's what happened with her. So she writes out which, all the things that she could have done right that didn't happen that day. Now, she doesn't mention necessarily the system failure of understaffing, lack of orientation, a hospital that lets parents give meds, the failure of communication of the chest x-ray, the lack of radiology, right? The poor agency nurse, we don't know what happened there, right? And so somewhere there was a failure of communication. And so she writes all this down and it's used against her in court. Now remember, she didn't get convicted until like four years after this happened. Happened in 2011. She was convicted at the end of 2015. In that whole time, she's practicing. She's learning. She's exemplary by all accounts. An exemplary doctor. Because once something like this happens to you, you don't think you're never going to miss sepsis again. By the way, 2011 was the time before early sepsis bundles and things like that. So 
she's not even that far out of the standard of her time, right? Yes, the sepsis was missed. Yes, they shouldn't have given, the mom shouldn't have given an alipril. We shouldn't have been allowed to give an alipril. Yeah, she screwed up the mem- remembering who, who was DNR and wasn't. But at that point, the cat's out of the bag. And the other question is, would the child have died of sepsis anyways? We don't know. Okay, you and I kind of know. Well, the analoprol sped it along for sure. But would it have happened anyways? We just don't know because sepsis is sepsis. It's very hard to treat. We've had Dr. Merrick on the show, others talking about sepsis. So all that being said, she's convicted four years later. Convicted of manslaughter. Now imagine how devastating that is. As it is, you've been reliving this thing in your head, right? You're a trainee. You're attending as a piece of shit and basically ditches the country. And you're left hanging. Now, don't forget this. A tribunal called the MTPS, it's a sort of multifactorial independent taxpayer-funded board, reviewed her case and said, look, this is a systems error. System, 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 system. And we need to learn from it and blah, blah, blah. Because in Great Britain, they'll do that. They go through that process. Despite that, all right, she gets convicted. But here's the worst part. This is where it's just a knife in the back. The, the, the General Medical Council, GMC, in Great Britain, which is sort of the licensure, to my understanding, the licensure board for physicians, okay? Their entire modus, a very conservative, august organization, is to protect the public trust. In other words, make sure the reputation of physicians is untarnished in the public eye. So what do they do? They go on a crusade against Dr. Bawa Garba. They say, well, This mistake, this is literally what they said. This mistake came out of the blue. How can we say it won't come out of the blue again and she'll kill someone? She cannot be a doctor. Are you effing kidding me? The organization that's supposed to represent us, right, doctors, stabs her in the back, drags her through the mud, and then strikes her off the register of doctors in Great Britain. And it's appealed, it goes to the highest court, and the highest court agrees with them. This is an outrage. It is an outrage to everybody who gives their blood, sweat, and tears to care for our children and our elders and our loved ones and our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters. And it doesn't matter that it's in Great Britain and it doesn't matter that this is socialized medicine or universal health care or NHS. It could, if it happens there, it could happen to any of us. Where is the international outrage among healthcare providers to stand up and say, we stand with Dr. Bawa Garba. We will not allow this. We learn from our mistakes. We fix our system errors. We change it from 9% of GDP to 10% of GDP to get more docs and nurses and x-ray techs and radiologists supporting it. We change the protocol for recognizing early sepsis. We orient our junior doctors to their new hospitals, right? That's what we do. We don't throw them in jail or arrest them or charge them with manslaughter and take away their their hard-earned ability to care for others. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So I wanted to thank Dr. Saurabh Jha for writing an amazing piece about this. I'm going to put a link in here. I posted it earlier. I want to send my Full support to Dr. Bawa Garba. If she ever wants to come on the show, if she ever wants to talk, we're here. I think most of the ZPAC concurs. I'm going to read a couple comments right now. And we support our brothers and sisters in the NHS who every day fight to take care of patients against great odds 
in a system that is much beloved in Great Britain, but still has problems, just like every system. So let's not make this a political thing. Let's make this a human thing about caregivers and patients trying to do the right thing and learn from mistakes. All right, comments. Um, let's see, doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals says charity trial are human. They make mistakes just like the rest of us. Yes, and this is, and it's not criminal. To err is not homicide, all right? Now, I can, can't imagine what the parents are going through, that their only recourse is to go through criminal action. And I'm gonna speculate because I'm not in a position to be to beat around the bush, I'm gonna speculate that since the mom administered the potentially fatal dose of enalapril, that there's a massive and understandable amount of feeling of, okay, someone needs to be accountable for them letting me do this to my child. Am I right? Like, can you imagine? So this doctor is not the right accountability. Um, this is not a convictable offense unless you're convicting the entire system, Andrea Skiba. That's exactly right. And that's what I'm doing. I'm indicting the entire system here. That you cannot have a 9% of GDP universal healthcare system without compromise. And the compromise is junior doctors run the whole thing and the consultants are few and far between. Which means if you're going to do that, if you as a society are okay with that, you better be willing to support and back up those doctors when they make inevitable mistakes under strain. You don't put them in court defending themselves against manslaughter charges. What is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Really? Now I'm getting all pissed off. All right. That being said, guys, I'm gonna keep this short. I'm gonna put, I, someone recommended the hashtag support Dr. Uh, Bawa Garba. I like that, I'll come up with the hashtag, I'll put it in, I'm gonna share the thing. Please leave me your comments, especially if you're in NHS, what your feelings are on this. Folks from NHS have, me have, have messaged me and said, you need to support us on this because we're feeling like this is the final straw and our backs are breaking. And recently they were on strike and all this stuff happened and we support you. At least I can speak for myself and I think a lot of Americans who say, we got your back, guys. So I love you guys. On this one, please press like, press share. If you're new and you're seeing this somewhere in your feed, hit follow, okay? And we'll get follow up and be a part of our tribe and we out, peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. 
and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.